Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, October 20th. It's 10.30 a.m., and that means it is time for Bible study. That's right, 10.30 on Wednesday, time for Bible study. And we are continuing our study of the book of Jonah. Jonah, a prophet of the Old Testament. Jonah, a prophet unlike all the other prophets in the Old Testament. Why? Well, we'll get to that eventually. But uh, today we are studying Jonah chapter 2. Last week we studied Jonah chapter 1. Just to kind of recap of Jonah chapter 1, the Lord spoke to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh, go to all those mean, evil people doing bad things and tell them to change their ways or I'm going to destroy them. And so what does Jonah do? Nineveh is east. He gets on a boat and goes as far uh, west as possible. He goes, he gets on a boat to go to Tarshish, which is basically about as far away from Nineveh as one could get. And he says, I am going the complete opposite way because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh because uh, worst case, best case scenario, worst case scenario, they're going to mock him. They might even kill him. Uh, but if they actually change their ways and the Lord relents, then something good is going to happen for people that Jonah doesn't like. And so, so Jonah says, um, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. So I'm going to go the other way. But of course we know that Jonah can't go the other way. Can't run away from God. And so a big storm comes and everyone on the boat says, who caused this storm? And it comes down to Jonah and they don't want to throw him in the lake, throw him in the sea, but they end up throwing him in the sea and a fish swallows him whole. So that's Jonah chapter one. Good stuff. Good stuff. Today, we're going to study Jonah chapter two. I had thought maybe we would do Jonah chapter two and Jonah chapter three together, but we're just going to do chapter two today because chapter two has some good stuff. So Jonah chapter two is basically a prayer. It's a prayer that Jonah prays while he is in the belly of the fish. And so uh, let's jump right in. Verses one through three. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Okay. When I think of Jonah in the belly of the fish, or the belly of the whale, I am reminded of The Empire Strikes Back. Aren't you? Are you not reminded of The Empire Strikes Back? When the Millennium Falcon flies into what they think is like a comet or like a uh, just a floating rock in space, but they end up they're in they're in a big giant worm, right? They end up they're in the belly of a big giant worm. That's the vision I have of Jonah hanging out in the belly of this whale. And like, what do you do when you're in the belly of a big giant fish? How do you spend your time? I imagine it's pretty dark in there. I imagine it smells pretty bad. What do you do? So Jonah, he prays, he prays, and he talks about, uh, uh, he quotes what he's doing here is he's quoting the Psalms, phrases and images from the Psalms. And so we think Jonah was written around somewhere fourth, fifth century before Christ. And so he has an understanding and knowledge of the Psalms. And so he's quoting the Psalms. You know, he's, uh, verse two, I, I called to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. All right, that's Psalm 18. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice. Psalm 18. Uh, uh, deep calls unto the deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. 
Psalm 42, 7. Uh, verse 3, your billows passed over me, right? Uh, uh, Psalm 31, for I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. I mean, out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. Uh, people have been using the Psalms as prayers for a very long time, right? When Jesus is on the cross and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is quoting a Psalm. Jesus is quoting a Psalm. And so I just wondered, you know, have we, have you ever spent much time studying the Psalms and understanding the Psalms, the background of the Psalms and using the Psalms for prayers when you don't have the words, um, I, I think it's a unique, uh, unique thing to, to, to pray the Psalms, to pray your way through the Psalms. Uh, so that's what Jonah is doing here. But then he says, verse 3, You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. So Jonah realizes, Jonah realizes that it was not the sailors who threw him into the sea. Again, if you listen, why didn't, you know, he, he put this on the sailors, throw me in. And the sailors like, but we don't want to kill you. He's like, throw me in. It'll save your life. Well, why didn't you just jump in? Why didn't you do everybody a favor and just jump in? So that the, the sailors didn't have to feel guilty about throwing him in. If, if he'd, but, but he says, no, it wasn't the sailors who cast him into the sea. It was God who th- cast him into the sea. And so I think there's an interesting question here. Who is truly responsible for Jonah being thrown into the sea? Is it God? Is it the sailors? Or is it Jonah? Is it Jonah? Because Jonah's the one who started this entire situation by ignoring God and running away and trying to get as far away from what God wants him to do as possible. And so in the end, who is responsible? Who is responsible for our lives when when we do stuff we're not supposed to do, when we do stuff we're not supposed to do, and, and it ends up bad, it ends up going poorly? Who's responsible? I think lots of times we blame God. God, why am I miserable right now? How could you let this happen to me? How could you let that person leave me who I lied to and cheated on and all those things? Right? Why am I feeling this way? Well, I think sometimes we have to accept the responsibility for the things that we do. I don't think God is responsible for Jonah being in the water right now or being in the fish. Well, God is definitely responsible for Jonah being in the fish. But I think I think Jonah bears some responsibility here too. We can say that Jonah deserves to be in the sea. He doesn't deserve to be in the fish. And so the fact that he's in a fish right now is God showing grace. Is God showing mercy? Is God saying, yes, you ran away, but I prepared a way for you to come back and to stay alive. Okay, verses 7 through 10. This is the last reading. It's a short chapter. As my life was ebbing away, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon dry land. I, this is interesting to me. I Maybe just me, but it is. He's like, all right, with the voice of thanksgiving, I will make sacrifice to you. I, what I have vowed, I will pay. See, here's what I find interesting. Jonah is in the belly of this fish, and he knows he's getting out of it. If you were in the belly of a fish, would you have hope that you're getting out of it? Would you have hope that this fish is going to puke you out, and you're going to come out in one piece, and you're going to be alive? Or would you think that this is the end? 
Like I'm in the belly of the f- this fish and I'm going to be in the belly of this fish until I'm dead. I mean, I, his prayer has so much hope in it that this the belly of the fish is not the end. Okay, so it's not the end. We know that. But uh, I think it's an interesting way to look at the future in the midst uh, of, of the situation, right, that he's in right now. Uh, it's certainly a, uh, an up, upbeat way to look at the future. So uh, Jonah is delivered. He's spit out. He's spewed out. He's vomited out. Uh, after he repents, after he, he says he's sorry for what he did, right? Um, I'm sorry for what I did, and um, I'm going to trust you now, God. I'm sorry for what I did, and now I'm going to trust you. Basically what he says, right? So our being sorry and trusting God, is that repentance? Is it, is it sorrow? Sorrow for what we've done. I'm sorry for the ways in which I've fallen short. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. I'm sorry for the ways in which I've ignored what you would have me do, what you would have me say, who you would have me be. And then, and then our sorrow motivates us or our whatever it is inside motivates us to start trusting God. Okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you now. I'm going to trust you now. I'm done being sorry. Now I'm going to trust you. Is that what repentance is? How, how do we repent? How do we, how do we come to God in the midst or right after our disobedience and say, I would like to try again. I'd like to start over. Does that begin with sorrow and then lead to trusting in God? Lord, I trust you now. I trust you because I have tried to run away and that hasn't worked. That hasn't worked for me. And so now I'm going to try to trust you. I think it's an important, an important part of what it means to return to God after uh, times of disobedience. But what we also have here is a foreshadowing of Jesus's resurrection, right? This Jesus himself said, this is Jesus, Matthew 12, verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In the tomb, right? The, the Son of Man will be in the tomb for three days, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. So we have a foreshadowing to Jesus. It could be said, it could be said that Jonah's deliverance came after he gave his life to appease the wrath of God coming upon others coming upon the sailors, right? And so Jesus's death, Jesus's deliverance, right, is, is his life is given to appease the wrath of God that should come upon others. But in this case, in this case, the wrath of God would come upon the innocent because the sailors are innocent, if they really are. I mean, they're innocent for this Jonah thing, but they, who knows what they've done in their lives, right? Uh, but, but the wrath of God is supposed to come on those who aren't innocent, the sinful, the sinners, right? And Jesus's death appeases God, right? That's that's a uh, an atonement theory, right? Uh, uh, but but I mean, we, the, the main difference here is the wrath that would come upon everyone would have been brought upon by Jonah's actions, right? 
where the wrath that would come upon us would come upon us because of our own actions, not because of anything Jesus has done, but yet Jesus steps up and, and becomes those, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, and so there's some, uh, some foreshadowing here that, that points to Jesus in a very, very cool way, uh, but certainly not uh, a direct parallel. Uh, so there you go. And then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. The Lord speaks to animals. How cool is that? Are there not days that we wish the Lord would speak to the dog behind us and get the dog to stop barking, right? But the Lord speaks to animals. Very cool. And it spit him out upon dry land. And, and it's commonly thought, most people think that, that Jonah was vomited out upon the shores of Nineveh and said, okay, now you're in Nineveh. Go do what I called you to do. However, however, Nineveh was 375 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. So, the fish spit Jonah out, and he had a journey ahead of him. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the Lord provided a horse or a donkey or what, or, or if Jonah had to walk, but the, the, obviously the time between chapter 2 and chapter 3 is a little bit of time because Jonah has a long way to go. So Jonah chapter 3, we will catch up with next week when Jonah actually gets to Nineveh and see what Jonah has to say to the people of Nineveh and how the people of Nineveh respond and why is it that Jonah is a prophet unlike every other prophet. We will get to that next week and we will close with a word of prayer. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for uh, your many servants throughout all of history who have listened to you, who have trusted you, who have uh, passed down the, your word and your grace from generation to generation. May we always trust you, Lord, in our daily life. Uh, may we trust in your grace, trust in your hope, and may we believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day, and I will see you next week.